What does barbecue mean to you? It's all about family. Good food. Summertime and friends. Of nostalgia. A whole lot of tasty. Soul-filling, belly-filling goodness. All of my favorite foods. A cultural touchstone. For me, it's a tether to the people who came before me. Getting together with family and friends. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Eat More Barbecue Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sanderson, and I sure do appreciate you all listening in this week. My guest this week has a very interesting story, and I really enjoyed our talk. Zane Kaplansky was doing restaurant pop-ups in Toronto before pop-ups were a thing, and he grew that into a successful deli and catering operation with multiple locations. He then shut that down and moved from Toronto to Tofino, British Columbia with his wife to care for her parents. Now, at the age of 53, he is starting a family and has turned the mustard that they served at the restaurants into a busy retail business selling online and at over 300 locations in Canada. I'm really excited to welcome the man behind Kaplansky's Mustard to the show this week. But first, let me tell you about the best sauce on the planet. Friends, I've been telling you about Sticky Fix from Motley Q for a while now. Recently named the 2021 Best Sauce on the Planet at the American Royal World Series of Barbecue Sauce Contest. Sticky Fix will be your new go-to. Perfect for the whole family. Believe me when I say this, this stuff goes great on everything. From quick grilled chicken to a 16-hour slow-smoked pork butt. Joe and Jess from Motley Q are mainstays on the Canadian competition barbecue scene. And their years of culinary and competition experience shine through in all of their products. They put lots of time and careful attention into each item. And they love how barbecue brings people together. Barbecue is a big part of their family. And they want to help everyone make it a part of theirs too. Motley Q sauces and seasonings are crafted to deliver high quality flavor to all barbecue dishes. From beef, chicken and pork to wild game and vegetables, they've got a sauce or seasoning fit for any dish or occasion. Visit Motley Q. That's M-O-T-L-E-Y-Q-U-E dot C-A to see the full lineup and get your bottle of the best sauce on the planet. Listeners of the Eat More Barbecue podcast can use the discount code EATMOREQ to save 15% off your order. That's discount code E-A-T-M-O-R-E-Q-U-E at MotleyQ.ca. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of the podcast. And today, uh, my guest and I are going to look at another side of smoked meat, uh, a little different than the usual barbecue talk, and specifically uh, the main condiment that goes with it, uh, inspired by the deli-style uh, Montreal smoked meat sandwiches uh, and a craving for a Schwartz's smoked meat sandwich. Uh, I think that uh, kind of set my guest off on a journey here. Zane, Ka- <laughs> Zane Kaplansky, Kaplansky's Mustard, is my guest today. Uh, Zane, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, great. Thanks, Ryan. I'm doing terrific. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Thanks so much for uh, taking a little time out of your Sunday afternoon. You're showing me the view out the window in uh, uh, beautiful <laughs> Tofino, British Columbia there. Uh, mountains and water and uh goodness it's a lovely setting eh? I, i'm really lucky with where i get to live I, I married a woman who was born here her ah, okay. father was born here yep so that's how i ended up in uh in tofino i, I haven't been to uh, that part of vancouver island but from everything i've heard it's uh, a magnificent spot so you, you have an official invitation right wow. now so, appreciate uh, that come visit us yeah that'd be awesome uh zane question i ask everybody to to start off and i'm always interested to get the answers to this from not barbecue people. Uh, that question is, what does barbecue mean to you? Uh, barbecue to me means bringing people together. I love the, the communal 
connection, the community connection mm-hmm. that people make around food. And there's something, <clears throat> you know, typically with barbecue, you smell it before you see it. Mm-hmm. And when you see on people's faces that kind of, you know, yeah. something's going on around here. Yeah, what's uh, what's that smell? The grill. Yeah. Uh, and then once you're around the grill, you know, it's, it's a very human instinct to gather around the grill and share stories. And so, you know, the, the guy with the, uh, the tongs or the poker or whatever around the grill itself usually attracts a bit of a crowd and the, the stories that you share, the things that, that, uh, the lies that you tell the, the, the (laughs) things that happen is part of the magic of barbecue. Yes. Fire, food, you know, connection. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Great. Uh, great answer. I couldn't agree with more, uh, more with you there. So let's uh, get into a little bit of your background. You're in Tofino now, but that's not, uh, not originally home for you of Toronto area. No, I, I was actually born in Hamilton, Ontario. You're born in Hamilton. Okay. Uh, yeah. And uh, born in the hammer, the hammer. Yeah. And, uh, my, my, um, uh, Toronto was the city that I lived in for most of my life. So we moved there when I was two or three years old. So I really never knew Hamilton mm-hmm. growing up for much. Our house was actually in Dundas, Ontario. Okay. Yeah. I was actually born in Hamilton, but, but we lived in Dundas and, um, uh, I started uh, my Kaplansky's Deli restaurant in 2008. And at the time, um, as some people know and others don't, I, I actually changed my name. So I, I was born Zane Kaplan. Okay. And when I started the restaurant and I had to think of a name for it, I was like, Kaplan's Deli. Well, there's a Kaplan's hardware store and a furniture store. And it sort of had that brand association. Yep. I thought Zane's Deli, Kaplansky's Deli. Yeah. Now there's a name. That it fits, thought, yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, you know, it would be kind of weird to call the restaurant mm-hmm. after a name that isn't my name. But on a much deeper level, Ryan, I also... Um, when I was a little boy, when I was six years old, and you say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would say, I want to own a restaurant. Nice. So it's, uh, and that's always was, been there for you. It's always been, you know, what was your thing? When you were a little kid and they would uh, say to you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was all over the place. A pilot, a computer programmer, all sorts of things. And and where'd you end up? Uh, the transportation logistics business completely. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's not too far away from a pilot. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, yeah. moving things around and, and, uh, and, you know, for me, there was something magical about a restaurant mm-hmm. that as a little kid, you don't really understand paying the bills, yeah. but you walk in hungry, you tell them what you want, mm-hmm. they bring it to you and you leave happy. Yep. You know, it's, this is, this is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I love that energy and sort of, you know, my answer to you around the barbecue question mm-hmm. is similar to the restaurant. Something special happens when people gather around a table and share food. And for me, my deli tradition was through my grandfather. Okay. His name was Sam Hirshhorn. He was my papa. And he used to bring me to Switzer's Deli on Spadina in Toronto. So growing up, that was my association. But when you'd say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I want to own a restaurant. It wasn't perhaps what I was encouraged to do by sure. by parents you right yeah restaurant life is very hard yeah, it's a tough uh, tough gig yeah it, it's a very tough way to make a living mm-hmm. 
So uh, I went and tried to do all the kinds of different things, but came back to, I actually got married and divorced. I had this huge sort of uh, atomic bomb of, a, of an experience after my divorce and sort of in one of these, like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life moments mm-hmm. when yeah. I was in my thirties? Yeah. I decided to, to go back into restaurants. I nice. decided to start working in a restaurant and I, and I, I started doing that. I developed my smoked meat recipe in my backyard the, the short story is that uh, a friend of mine tasted it. He's a chef. He said, you know, you really should, you could, you could open a restaurant with this. Right. And then I had to figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. Awesome. So I'll go. How did that become then? Can uh, continue on. So, well, I, as I told you, I was sort of broke. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, when I said that, that, that after my divorce things, like I was really at an all time low and, mm-hmm. and, um, and, I didn't have the financial resources to open what you'd call a proper restaurant. But when I was a kid, my dad used to take me to a place called San Francisco, which was a sandwich shop in downtown Toronto where they had these magnificent fried veal sandwiches with tomato sauce and this really soft bun. Mm -hmm. And we would take our sandwiches upstairs to the Monarch Tavern. Right. And it got to be part of my, in my blood that I would, buy these sandwiches and I would take them upstairs and I would drink a beer and I'd watch the Leafs lose. And uh, this was just, you know, part of my history. And then uh, into my twenties and thirties, one day I saw there was a guy in the Monarch who was cooking in the kitchen and his wife was working the floor and uh, they were making terrific Italian food. And then a month later he was gone. Yeah. And I asked Marty, the bartender, what happened? And he said, well, he wasn't paying any rent. But when we asked him to cover his utility costs, he said no and walked away. And I sort of filed in the back of my mind that if I ever wanted to start a restaurant for almost nothing, yeah. I could do it there as a pop-up. Yep. And um, even the term pop-up wasn't familiar. Yeah, that, I didn't back have then, that, that wouldn't have been around. No, no. And uh, when I developed the smoked meat recipe in my backyard and chef Jesse Valens tasted it, uh, who now is the, is the head chef at Barbarian Steakhouse in Toronto. Okay. Um, and I was trying to figure out how and where to do this with no money. The idea of the Monarch came back to me. Sure. Yep. And I went to see the guys who own it. And I said, I want to use your kitchen. And they showed me around and they said, what do you want to pay in rent? And I said, rent, I'm not going to pay rent, but I'll cover my utility costs and I'll bring in some new customers and you'll sell them beer and I'll sell them a sandwich and we'll all be happy. So they were like, they actually said this. They said, are you insane? I get it. <laughs> yeah. You really think you can compete with Batondo, San Francisco, California, San these legendary Italian sandwich places. And I said, Brian, I said, no, I'm not competing with them. You can't out sandwich those guys. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to do my own thing and I'm going to try my best and I'll see what happens. Yep. And you know, it's a low risk situation. Absolutely. For them as well, right? For, that's right. Yeah. For them, it was kind of a novelty. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we love deli sandwiches. Well, I'd love to see you fail. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and it, the, the rest is kind of history. I started the restaurant. Actually, 
I got very lucky when I first opened. Um, there was a fellow named David Sachs who wrote a book called Save the Delhi. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know he was a Toronto guy. So I contacted uh, David to ask him who did the graphic design on his website because I thought it was terrific. And it turned out he'd written a book and the book had not yet been published. But David hustled. And when I told him I was going to open a deli inside of the Monarch, he said to me, you know, this is pure genius. He said, what you've done is taken the entire deli concept and boiled it down to one dish. Mm -hmm. He said, that's avoiding the mistake that most people make where they try to do everything for everybody. I was to make that mistake later on. but, um, But I started out sort of through necessity just doing the smoked meat sandwich. That was my my signature. Cured beef brisket, my own spice rub, smoked. I started using a Bradley smoker. Okay. One of those yep. electric. The electric, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the pucks. And uh, I used to buy them from the Bass Pro Fishing Outlet in Markham, Ontario. And I used to break it about once a month because I was doing like two loads a yeah, day yeah you're uh, work, working that thing pretty hard oh yeah yeah yep. not for not for its intended use either yeah, yeah and after the sixth one they're like this is it that's it no more <laughs> <laughs> and at that stage i got a cook shack uh, and yeah. then i got a southern pride after that a Perfect. big uh, yeah um, yeah 48 biscuit southern pride yeah and uh it was incredible david Sachs wrote an article called jewish Food comes back downtown because there was really no Jewish restaurants left in downtown Toronto. Right. And he wrote it and it was published the weekend before I opened. Uh, so when I opened, I got slaughtered. I had lineups my first day. Nice. I couldn't, I'd never sliced a brisket before. I mean, it was really, <laughs> I was, I was way over my head and, yeah. and, and I was pretty upset too, because all of my meat for the first two weeks, because you have to, it takes a, it's a two week curing yes, process. Right. Um, is gone. Uh-huh. And I, I was shut. And, uh, uh, you know, the 11th commandment is, you know, thou shalt not run out of food. Yep. Although, <laughs> as you know, in the barbecue tradition, yeah. it's completely acceptable. Yes. You make what you make. And when it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And people would come into me and they would say, what kind of deli runs out of meat? And I would say, well, the kind that makes it here by hand in-house. And that's our decision very early on was to do everything by hand. Our our uh, French fries were cut by hand. The coleslaw was, was mandolin by hand. Our mustard was made by hand in the restaurant right. as well. Yep. The only thing that we never did was um, was the rye bread. Sure, I am one of the world's worst bakers, yep. and uh, decided just to stay in my lane. Know your strength. <laughs> know your strengths, right, Zane? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And then uh, from there, you opened up another location. Yeah. So, so this was, and it's funny too because um, I never, I didn't realize when I'd done it that it was a pop-up, but it's mm-hmm. now regarded as yeah. one of the very first pop-ups Absolutely, yeah. in, uh, in the country, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, and I did it for a year, and I was constantly asked by people when I was going to open a real location with more than just one thing on the menu. Sure. Like we had the sandwich and fries and coleslaw and soup. Yep. Um, and 
I was so fortunate. I had a group of investors who stepped forward and they said, you know, when you're ready, mm-hmm. we'll be happy to put up some money so you can open your own space. Right. And uh, a year after I, I um, opened at the Monarch, I was able to find a restaurant on College Street that allowed me to make the mistake that David Sachs that said I was so smart to avoid. And I, I bit off way more than I could chew. Mm-hmm. And I was doing, you know, pun intended, uh, breakfast, lunch, dinner, yeah. brunch, late night, catering. Uh, and then, you know, it, it actually grew from there into food trucks and more locations and, and all kinds of other um, adventures that I got up to at the time. But I, I loved the idea of being able to share the food mm-hmm. that I grew up with, right. that we celebrate with. Um, and and um, uh, that we even commiserate with, with other people. Right. That if you've never had a knish, if you've mm-hmm. never had kishka, if you don't know what a letka is, if, if uh, matzo ball soup is, is not part of your life, come sit down and, mm-hmm. I'll, and, I'll, uh, and I'll show this to you. And I really love that aspect of, of the restaurant, of bringing people together uh, and sharing I remember when I when I was first going to open up on college near Spadina, friends of mine would say, "Yeah, that's that's near all those ethnic restaurants," and I'd say, "That's what we are too." Mm-hmm. That, that I really want people to discover. It's like you're not a Jew, you're welcome too. You know mm-hmm. that that it's it's something that everybody should feel that they can uh, take part in and right. enjoy. Yep. That's uh, that. That was always so special to me is watching people's face when they bit into a smoked meat sandwich for mm-hmm. the first time, or tried their first knish, or tried their first matzo ball, yeah. and just you know got hooked. Yeah, well, you're sharing sharing something that is yours and your your culture, right? Your history, your background. Uh, being yeah. able to share that with people is certainly something special. So, yeah, and even even around holidays, for example. So. Uh, one of my favorite holidays is Passover, mm-hmm. which tells the story of the emancipation of the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt to the parting of the Red Sea and the Ten Commandments and the famous movie with Charlton Heston. Right. Uh, and uh, every year for thousands of years, people have, have remembered that holiday. Well, it's a freedom holiday. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a Jewish religious holiday. It's a remembrance of something that happened in history. And I loved holding a public Seder in the restaurant that anybody could come to mm-hmm. if they were curious, if they were interested, if they uh, had never celebrated before, or if they had, but had, had not done it for a while. And just to be able to enjoy the story together, to pray for freedom together, that this really is, I think, something that all of us can connect with on a very human level and to do it with food and storytelling Mm -hmm. just, I mean, I get goosebumps even telling you the story now because it really was such an honor to be able to be somebody who could help people connect and reconnect in that way. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love, love hearing stuff like that. Uh, you know, it just gets down to the core of what, uh, what it's all about. It really is what drove me. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that idea of sharing, you know, it's funny too, because sometimes if, so when I, when I told David Sachs that I was going to be opening a restaurant, a deli, he said to me, okay, I need to prepare you. He says, he says, um, you're in 
for more kvetching than anybody should ever have to put up with. Kvetching is a Yiddish word that means complaining. Okay. And, and what he meant was that if your grandmother made matzo balls that were rock hard, to you, that's the way they're supposed to be. If she made matzo balls or your grandfather whoever made them that were soft as pillows, that's the way they're supposed to be. And if they're not right, the person's going to tell you about it. Yes. I had a guy call me over once and he said, my soup is too hot. What do you, what, should I blow on it for you? Can I get some ice? Ice cream. Why don't we have a conversation and maybe it'll get better. By the time it's done. Yeah. Like, Try it now. It was unbelievable. I had a guy once. He wasn't eating his kishka. Kishka is a, it's kind of like a stuffing sausage. So it's okay. um, flour and schmaltz. Schmaltz is chicken fat and all kinds of spices inside of a casing. So it's like a sausage. And we serve it with a smoked meat gravy. It's really mm. rich and really delicious. And he wasn't eating it. And I went over and I said, is your kishka okay? And he says, this, this isn't kishka. And I said to him, you know, from a, purely metaphysical standpoint it is kishka it could be dry it could be bad it could be over salted it could be all kinds of things but it actually is kishka to him it didn't even qualify two weeks later and i'm not even exaggerating two weeks later a woman sitting in another seat i i she, she waves me over she's got tears streaming down her face and she says this is my mother's kishka I've been looking for this for 25 years. Nice. And you could tell that she was obviously emotional, mm -hmm. that she was able to reconnect with this memory of her mother through this dish. Awesome. And to me, you know, I love both of those yeah. stories. Yeah. I love that, that, you know, I, that the fellow who dismissed it remembered how good the Kishka was that he, he grew up with mm -hmm. and that this one was not even close. And this other person embraced it as if as if her mother had made it for her and that's you know they say with, with art just as long as you make people feel something yeah. even if they hate you yep. that's okay yeah so. absolutely <laughs> yeah that uh kind of makes me think uh, i grew up in winnipeg and uh the area i grew up in a number of uh burger places and they were all run by greeks and i think uh, at some point they a lot of relatives brothers cousins had split off and started up their own places and they make this chili sauce that they put on the burgers there. And it's just fantastic. Mm. And I've, I've never heard of that. It's yeah. Winnipeg chili, burger chili. It's, it's and that that's my childhood memory. You know, this, the one location red top going there with my dad as a kid. Uh, and I've got, I found recipes and even just last weekend, uh, made a batch and it's, it's, it's good, but not, not quite, you know, yeah. doesn't, uh, not quite there. So they're very similar. And, this, it, and that's, that's a, I mean, it's a great point too, because, you know, even in the introduction, you mentioned Montreal smoked mm -hmm. meat. And I would always avoid a reference to Montreal mm, okay. smoked meat because, you know, people associate it with Montreal because of, typically because of Schwartz's. Schwartz's and Schwartz's yeah. is such an incredibly legendary place. Mm -hmm. And it really was what inspired me. Yeah. But I realized just like I could never out, sandwich batondos and and san francisco and, and california sandwiches you're not going to out schwartz schwartz yep and so i would always call it toronto smoked meat yeah. and i was very careful i uh use blue as my as my color and my logo okay. because schwartz's was red uh, yep. and for montreal 
the Canadians, yes. Molson, McGill, mm-hmm. Schwartz, all red. Yeah. In Toronto, the University of Toronto, the Blue Jays, the Argos, yeah, the, the Leafs, Leafs. Yeah, yeah, the okay. Bats, all yeah. that's London, but all blue. Okay. And so you know, that to me was, I wanted to, to make uh, a deli that mm-hmm. Torontonians would really feel proud of and, yeah. and call their own. Nice. The fact that I was inspired by Schwartz, yeah. uh, I openly admit that. I love yep. those guys and yep. I admire what they do. I even had a customer of mine tell me that he was in Schwartz complaining that there were no good delis in Toronto. And one of the waiters there said, you know, I, I hear Kaplansky's is pretty good. Yeah. To have those guys recommend my place. Yep. He, you know, I, I, that's the, that's, you know, to your opening question about what barbecue means. There's a, a, a connection, mm-hmm. um, a community yeah. That exists in the barbecue world. There is, yeah, and uh, and also exists in the deli world too, and to to feel included, mm-hmm. to feel like you're part of that, is really uh, an extraordinary feeling. And I that that day that the person told me that, that somebody at Schwartz's had recommended us uh, gave me that feeling. But even more so, I was included in a documentary film called Deli Man. Mm-hmm. And I was not the main character. I was just on screen for a couple of uh, uh, moments. But still, to be in that movie, you know, I never imagined, Ryan, that my uh, experience would be captured on the big screen. No doubt, yeah. I remember watching the premiere of that movie at the Bell Lightbox Theater in Toronto. And, like, I stopped breathing. You just, it's so overwhelming to see the, me connected with the Katzes of the world and the, the Cantors of the world and the Schwartzes of the, all these legendary delis. And to be in that, that mm-hmm. sentence and that conversation was so incredibly meaningful to me. And, and, uh, and I love that about the barbecue world as mm-hmm. well. I love the way people feel a sense of union and togetherness yep. through that, that uh, food. Absolutely. That's a, so uh, Toronto, College Street to Tofino, what was the, uh, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> what, it, what happened there? Well, it was all sunshine and roses there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a, it, it, the restaurant world is a tough world. Yep, yep. And uh, I'll tell you exactly what happened. So um, I had a 20-year lease on a fantastic location right at the corner of College in Brunswick. And we had... Uh, just a busy business from, from open to close, plus the food truck. We opened locations in the airport. We opened a couple of franchises. I had a crazy catering business. Um, and on the morning, so uh, the, the, here's the story. So on, on May 6th, we opened our first franchise in Yorkville, which okay. is like the swanky shopping district, right. which was a huge deal for me. We actually had stopped our mustard business so that we could pay attention to franchising. And this, our first franchise location in Yorkville was just uh, a huge deal. A week later, Beyonce places a multi-thousand dollar order for deli from us in the restaurant. And that becomes a, a like a Twitter viral trending yep, thing. Nice. A week later, Anthony Bourdain places a visit, makes a visit to our 
airport location on his way to Vietnam to introduce Barack Obama. Look at me with a name drop. Like, yeah, that's, no yeah. that's some serious obnoxious <laughs> yeah, name yeah, dropping right yeah. there. Shameless. Right? Yeah, I'm shameless. Yeah, that's all right. And, and uh, uh, a week later, on the night of June 6th, my landlord illegally locks me out of my room. Actually, I mean, it wasn't illegal at that moment. Three days later, it was illegal. Uh, locks me out of my College Street restaurant. Wow. I get a phone call at midnight from my alarm company that something, the, the, the alarm has been tripped. I go in and I find the landlord's changed the locks. And uh, I, to this day, the, the, the sign on the door said, failure to affect repairs, not approved by the landlord. So I didn't do something I wasn't allowed to do. I don't, to this day, know exactly what story he told to a justice of the peace, mm -hmm. that he got permission to do what he did. But I had to hire a team of lawyers. We got back before a judge, and I was back in the space within a few days. Mm -hmm. However, uh, that really ruined our relationship. Yeah, I was going to say and the relationship at that point is uh, that's a tough one to recover from. It, it was really, it was really, and and I'm a I'm a very persistent. Uh, I would say a stubborn son of a bitch is what is yeah. what I actually am. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, you, you take a punch, I'm going to punch you back. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, the idea that he tried to close me down, you don't close me down. Yeah. I fought back. Yeah. I wasn't going to walk away, even though it was not, it, it, the relationship was, was so destroyed that, that it wasn't going to be possible. I stuck it out. Mm -hmm. And, and for the next year, I, put our franchising on hold. I just focused on the restaurant, getting things back on their feet, getting the, the staff back in a positive mode, mm -hmm. really rebuilding the restaurant business. And um, in May of 2017, I was cast on a US TV show called Guy's Big Project. Okay. Where Guy Fieri took a yeah. group of competitors across the United States to win their own Food Network TV show. Okay. I was a, I was a finalist, nice. not a winner. And uh, I found out three days before my wedding in August of 2017 that I didn't win. Mm. And I, I've watched that on TV and I'm so proud of my reaction, which was, you know, to come this close to mm -hmm. your, to your dream of, of hosting a, a food and travel show being able to shine a light on the other incredible restaurants in this world yeah. and pay forward a lot of, of what's been, been done for me by other people who've really given me a boost. It would have been so much fun, but I got the girl mm -hmm. and I was able to, to really channel all of my joy and happiness for marrying Willa. Speak, speak uh, of the devil. Is she? There, there she is. Timing was impeccable. Absolutely. <laughs> timing is everything. And, uh, and Willa and I got married right here in Tofino. In fact, the church is just over my left shoulder. Oh, outstanding. Yep. And um, uh, it was the happiest day of my life. And mm -hmm. uh, she and I, um, got back to Toronto where she, we had met in Toronto and, and uh, we went on our honeymoon went to Chicago and then to Newfoundland nice. for our honeymoon. And when I got back, there was a new lawyer's letter and notice of default from mm -hmm. my son of a bitch landlord. And I shouldn't, I mean, the truth is 
I wouldn't be here without him. Sure. So yeah. I'm actually quite grateful at this yeah. stage yeah. to have avoided all of the pandemic strife that so many people have gone through. Yeah. And it was so heartbreaking for me because as I told you, it wasn't even that I named the restaurant after myself. Mm-hmm. I named myself after the restaurant. Yeah. That was your, uh, yeah. It had I become. Was, this is my identity. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. And it was, it was, and all of the emotional stuff, all of the community stuff, all of the, you know, Jewish pride that, mm-hmm. that, um, that I really felt like I was, was uh, part of to close that restaurant and disappoint so many people uh, was just so emotionally devastating mm-hmm. to me. And yet uh, I saw with absolute certainty that there was no future here. Right. This is the way the man was going to continue to, to behave, mm-hmm. that there was no future. And, and my investors, incredible people, all of them, offered me the money to be able to continue to stay in business. Mm. But I just thought it would be irresponsible to take it because in six months, we're going to have a lease renewal. Something else. And that's yeah. going to, yes, exactly. So Will and I came here for Christmas in 2017, okay. just after we were married, just after we got this, mm-hmm. this new package from the, from the landlord. And, uh, we, we, um, we could see when we got here that her folks were in trouble. Mm. And in particular, uh, Willa's mother has Alzheimer's. Yeah. And Willa's dad was a 24-7 caregiver. Mm-hmm. And the stress of living with and caring for somebody with a degenerative disease like Alzheimer's yes. is brutal. Yes. Uh, and looking down the road and seeing there's no services in this little town. Mm-hmm. There's nothing for them here. Uh, where are they going to go? What are they going to do? Mm-hmm. And we could see how how stressed out they were. And so Will and I were lying in bed. And I said, you know, we're talking about the situation. And I said to her, you know, we could just move here. And they could, you know, we could help look after your folks. Mm-hmm. And maybe we could start a family of our own. Which, uh, you know, is... My other big news which oh, wow. is that Willa is actually eight months pregnant oh, now. Oh, congratulations. Thank you very much. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, and that's that's always been our plan, mm-hmm. which is that, that we would start a family. It's taken us a lot longer than we had hoped. Yeah. And that uh, we could really sort of have that traditional um, uh, family unit where mm-hmm. the grandparents help care for the kids and the kids help care for the grandparents and yep. that whole magical thing happens. And, you know, it, it's been such a, I, I, I like to say it's the second best thing that's ever happened moving here mm-hmm. because um, caring for somebody is, I mean, it's a joyful experience. Willa's mother is a fantastic person mm-hmm. and we know that we've made a positive difference in her life and in the quality of, of uh, my father-in-law's life as mm-hmm. well. And that, what would have happened if we weren't here yeah. and we're watching them, you know, go through the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, on their own with all of the uncertainty and all of the, the craziness that's happened. Instead, we're able to help provide them with some structure and some, some assistance and some help. 
and and it's been it's been just the most extraordinarily beautiful experience plus i get to live yes. in a in a wonderful environment too and and there's you know i have so many friends in the restaurant business mm-hmm. and seeing what's happened during the pandemic to them it's been hard yeah. uh, really to say, least, to say the least yeah yeah and i and I, I really hoped i really think that the government let us down in a lot of ways because there's so many things in the restaurant industry that are broken that the labor model is broken i mean imagine that re- restaurants rely on customers mm-hmm. to pay their their front of house staff wages that the disparity in wages between the front of house and the back of house don't work Landlord-tenant relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I can no. see that one as well. Supply chain. Mm-hmm. Farmers mm-hmm. don't get proper uh, respect and pay for their for mm-hmm. their uh, for what they grow for us and what they make for us. Mm-hmm. The transportation infrastructure along the way. There's so many aspects, and the pandemic was the perfect opportunity for the government to fix some of these systemic changes uh, problems and make important changes. But in any case. Uh, it's been hard to watch mm-hmm. all of the places or so many of the places that we love close. So many of our friends go through the stress and it's been wonderful at the same time for us to be able to just focus on what's really important. Mm-hmm. And that is family. family yeah. And I'll tell you this too, Ryan, my mother-in-law was a trained chef. Mm-hmm. He, um, she still has all of the muscle memory around cooking, but none of the confidence mm-hmm. or ability to be able to do it on her own. And every night she and I make dinner together. Nice. And uh, it is such a joy mm-hmm. to be able to help her experience that connection, that, that inclusion. One of the tragedies of Alzheimer's and aging in general is um, loneliness mm-hmm. and boredom. And knowing that we're able to help with those, with her, uh, and uh, she's such a special person to be able to do that with. That's fantastic. Yeah. It, re- it, yeah. it, it really makes us feel good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. After this short pause, we will get back to hearing more from Zane Kaplansky and what he is up to these days with the mustard business. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by Pitt County Barbecue, who is bringing authentic North Carolina-style whole hog barbecue north of the border to Alberta and Canada. Based out of Edmonton with the ability to travel, Pitt County Barbecue will come to your event and cook an entire pig on site using their custom-built cooker designed by owner and pitmaster Peter Zakuski. Specializing in corporate catering and private events, Pitt County Barbecue brings a unique regional barbecue dining experience. From North Carolina chopped barbecue pork to Piedmont-style coleslaw, trust me when I say you've never tasted anything like this before. The meat is so good you don't even need sauce. Peter is truly inspired by the South. His attention to detail and quality is second to none. From delicious food to amazing customer service, make sure to book Pitt County Barbecue for your next event. Check out their recent website series as well, Friends of the Pit on YouTube, and follow them on Instagram and Facebook. To book your event, visit their website at pittcountybbq.com. P-I-T-T-C-O-U-N-T-Y-B-B-Q.com. Got Zane Kaplansky here, kaplanskys.com, at Kaplansky on Instagram. Uh, so I guess the main business for you now is the mustard. Well, yeah, so, so it actually... Tra- transition into that, pandemic. I guess. Yeah, yeah sure. That's, that's part of the pandemic story as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and when we moved here, 
you know, how am I going to survive? How am I going to make a living? Mm-hmm. And I have the restaurant at the airport, uh, Kaplansky's Deli and Terminal 3 at Pearson Airport is still going. It closed as soon as the pandemic mm-hmm. started. It was closed for about a year. Wow. And, uh, and when it closed, my entire livelihood and income closed with it. Right. And I like to say, Ryan, there's nothing f- that focuses the mind. Mm-hmm. Yep. Losing your entire income. <laughs> I can imagine. Over- yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what am I going to do now? Yeah. And, uh, and fortunately, in 2019, so Will and I made the decision to move here in Christmas of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, in, we went back to Toronto beginning of 2018, closed the restaurant. I actually went into a very uh, significant depression mm-hmm. during that first year in 2018. It was so hard for me emotionally to deal with the loss of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. But as I said to you a few moments ago, in retrospect, I now realize it's the second best thing that ever happened to me. Yep. And that irony is not lost on me. That what hurt so much at the time turned out to be such a blessing mm-hmm. uh, a few years later and really gave me the opportunity to pivot. Again, that wasn't a word I would have yeah. used before the pandemic uh, here. And then, of course, the big question is, well, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. You know, Collecting a franchise royalty fee from my restaurant, uh, what if the restaurant ends up closing? Mm-hmm. And sure enough, two years later, the restaurant was was closed for a time. Mm-hmm. And I had had a, a line of mustards in Toronto at the deli. As I told you, when we first started in mm-hmm. 2008, yep. I used to make my own mustards at the restaurant. And it started out that people used to steal the jars off the tables. Uh, yep. And so I started to make the jars available for sale and they would always sell out. Yep. And, uh, and then we started to sell them into other stores so that we could we could uh, have that exposure and I stopped doing it in 2016 to focus on the franchise right yep and we, we consistently would get messages from people about the mustards whatever happened to those mustards I loved mm-hmm. your mustards where can we find the mustards and so I said to Willow one day you know I think I'm gonna try and, and, and reboot our mustard business and uh, so in 2019, I was asked by the Toronto Blue Jays mm-hmm. to do a pop-up at the Rogers Centre in Toronto where we would have a Kaplansky's Deli location there. And I used that opportunity to reformulate and repackage our mustards. Nice. And so we basically restarted as a direct-to-consumer online brand yep. um, in 2019. And then in 2020, and it went really well. I mean, I was... Mm-hmm. Again, like talking about the Deli Man movie, seeing my face on the jumbotron in the in the Rogers Center. Yep. My dad, when I was in high school, had uh, you know him and five or six guys had season's tickets, so he used to go to ten games a year or something, mm-hmm. and he would take me once or twice a, a year. Um, seeing myself on the jumbotron, yeah, what a moment, mm-hmm. you know, seeing yeah. my brand next to the Blue Jays brand. I mean, it was really as a baseball fan, yeah such a big deal for me and it was really you know part of the part of the sense of of resilience Mm -hmm. part of the sense of of you know i don't i don't even the word quit is not part of my lexicon or or or, you know conversation Mm -hmm. and um and i was so gratified to see the number of people who came by 
to watch them eating my sandwiches and watching them use the mustard. And it was really so much fun. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, it was kind of a hobby. I was, I was just getting my feet wet here in Tofino and, and uh, it was, you know, we'd sell a, a few packages here and a few packages there. The pandemic hits March of 2020. Mm -hmm. We actually suspended our operations because we wanted to see what was happening. Didn't want our staff to be going in and being exposed to any risk. And then when we were confident that, that it was okay for them to go back to work in May, it's like when you plug in the chip machine when it runs out of paper in the kitchen. It was like, pachoo, 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 pachoo. we started was like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And the best part was that we started getting inquiries from uh, butcher shops, gourmet grocery stores, mm -hmm. restaurants, barbecue places, all bakeries, all kinds of places were asking us if they could carry our mustard. Nice. What a thing. Yeah. You know, when you're hustling to try and sell a product into retail, you're knocking on a lot of doors and you're getting a lot of rejection. It's like being mm. an actor, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. A lot of rejection. To get people calling you and saying, could you please, could I carry your mustard? Hey. It's so flattering. Yep. And um, by the end of 2020, we were in 60 retail locations across Canada. Nice. All of those varieties. Yep. And I, I did a an analysis where's the best who's which channel is the best for us and i really decided you know what butchery mm -hmm. and butcher shops are really where we need to focus yeah and so we squarely focused on butcher shops and it's really been now we're in over 300 locations wow it's been an extraordinary experience last year we ran out of glass jars that global mm -hmm. supply yep. chain <laughs> crisis for us was that we couldn't find glass jars from uh, May until mid-October. Half of the year we were out of business. And um, and I'm I'm not only is Willa uh, fantastic and beautiful, she's also a very talented designer. So she redesigned all of our labels, mm. all of our packaging, our website, our t-shirts. Uh, she gives me a reasonable discount on her rates. Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's, it's been a big, we've done this thing together. Yeah. That's awesome. And it really, I'm so blessed Ryan to mm -hmm. be able to uh, know that in Whitehorse in the Yukon, mm -hmm. in Newfoundland, down to California, across to New York city and so many points in between that there are, uh, lots of people who um, are proud to carry our brand in their store and, and that people like the mustard and love the mustard. We now have a, have a food service size, a four liter jug that um, we've been picked up by a national distributor. So I'm nice. really hoping to see that get on more and more menus. And it's a very, we're really excited to see where this goes. That's great. <laughs> Throw it back. No, it happens. It happens. That's awesome. We'll talk about. You've got a few different varieties of the mustard. Maybe uh, mention what you got. Yeah. Going so, on there. so when we when we first got started, we just made one sort of like um, whole grain seeded uh, garlic and leek, uh, roasted garlic, roasted leek uh, mustard. But um, in the restaurant, we used to have 
four or five varieties. And that's what we've we started to bottle now. So we have our classic yellow ballpark mustard. Mm -hmm. We have a horseradish mustard, a spicy mustard, and an old-fashioned grainy style. And the old-fashioned grainy style is the most similar in appearance and taste to the one that I used to make back in my my monarch days. Yep. And um uh, I had a very uh, have a very wonderful friend named Jesse Valens. He's the fellow yeah. who's who's the uh, chef at Barbarians, who taught me how to make mustard. And uh, it's not hard to do, and lots of chefs do it, but to do it consistently and get the flavor right was was always a bit of a challenge. And um, uh, these four really represent sort of the flavor spectrum that I sure. that I uh i love and that each one sort of pairs a little bit differently with other mustards there or sorry, with other foods the the thing i love about mustard in particular and this gets a little bit um philosophical mm -hmm. is that it's a condiment which means it needs something else to really do its job which means that it is in essence a connector Okay. And that's, you know, when you asked me the question off the top of the show, what I love about barbecue, mm -hmm. and I told you it's that connection. That's really my sweet spot. That's what I, I love in this world mm -hmm. is the ability to connect with other people through food. Mm -hmm. And mustard does that by definition. Right. Yep. And so whether it's putting that mustard uh, in something, on something, or we've started to do these really cool collaborations where I got um, a friend of ours in Newfoundland called, uh, his name is Roger Dooling and his wife, Karen. They've got a business called East Coast Glow. Okay. Where they make uh, bathroom and cosmetic supplies, soaps and shampoos mm -hmm. and lip glosses using iceberg water, which okay. is very pure. And Roger contacts me and he says, we should do a mustard soap together. And I'm right. like, I love it. Sure. Why not? And uh, you know, mustard has all kinds of wonderful qualities for the skin and for, for uh, uh, exfoliation, all mm -hmm. kinds of things. It, it was fun. Last July, I get a, a DM on Instagram from the Vancouver Island Sea Salt Company. Mm -hmm. Scott Gibson uh, sends me a DM and he says, why aren't you here making mustard salt with us? And I said, I thought you'd never ask. And <laughs> You know, the, the truth is, I'd never thought of it. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was his idea. But I brought a couple of jugs of our four-liter ballpark mustard. Okay. He mixes it in with the seawater that he pulls right out of the Pacific Ocean that, right. that uh, he has access to. Distills the whole thing down and turns it into a fantastic large wow. flake mustard salt. Wow. And it's been this, this sensation, like... He was going to do like a small limited edition one and done. And two weeks after he released it, the beginning of January, they called me and they said, we need more mustard. We're going to, we're going to really run with this thing. People wow. seem to be digging it. Yep. And again, like I love that I can connect with people on that level yep. too, doing, doing collaboration flavors. Yeah. I had a fellow in Kitchener, Ontario say to me, um, could we do like a an hot Asian mustard? He's Vietnamese. And I thought, what a fantastic idea. Why not? Yeah. You know, plants. Even um, there's a pickle manufacturer who I had a conversation this week who does a mustard pickle. And we're talking about doing a 
a Kaplansky's deli mustard pickle. Nice. I mean, yep. it lends itself again. This is this is what I love about mustard is that it's all about connection. Yeah. And it really lets us. And the other thing too, Ryan, is that it's never the star of the show. Right. The star of the show is the burger, mm-hmm. the hot dog, the the other thing that the mustard is dressing typically. Mm-hmm. And I like that role too. You know, for for five plus years, I did what you're doing. I had mm-hmm. a radio show okay. in Toronto on CFRB called Let's Eat with uh, with me. And um, and uh, uh, I loved letting and hearing chefs and restaurateurs tell their stories yep. and tell us where their passion comes from and their food comes from and what drives them and and where their you know their the heartbreak is as also as well you know the, the joy of victory and the the uh, thrill of the no, not, Ag- agony whatever agony exactly that's the one. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and and uh, and I love it. I love the yeah. storytelling that happens. And yeah. so Marshall McLuhan, a very famous mm-hmm. Canadian um, communications uh, guru, yep. said that the medium is the message. Yes. And and I like to think that the mustard is the medium. Yeah. No, I see where you're coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm able to uh, remain relevant. I'm able to connect with people. I'm able to to communicate and listen and, and, uh, and cooperate even as a small part of somebody's story mm-hmm. on the shelf from there in their butcher shop or their cheese store or their grocery store or their pantry at home. Mm-hmm. I love it when, when customers uh, contact me directly and tell me how much they love my mustard or they, they want some advice on what to pair it with. Mm-hmm. I love social media. You know, you and I connected yep. on Instagram and uh, even the the barbecue mafia guys, yeah, yeah. the way they've included me in the, as a member of the mafia, and yeah. and, uh, and reached out to me in that way, and and it's it's incredibly, uh, it's a real honor yeah. to have people welcome you into their lives, even in a even just to be their mustard guy, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and I, I don't need to play a starring role, mm-hmm. but it's it's really lovely to know that I'm I'm part of the team. Yeah, I had uh, had Jeremy on the show a couple of weeks back, and. Uh... I was going to say we uh, we need to get you with some barbecue folks to make a mustard based uh, barbecue sauce, and and uh, it's a it's a fantastic idea. Yep. And and you know one of the lessons that I learned in the restaurant was that sometimes, well, not sometimes. I really I really need to focus, <laughs> and the idea of trying to do too much is something that you know I really nailed it when I first got started and just did that one sandwich. Mm-hmm. Things <coughs> kind of got out of control for me sure. when I was trying to do all of these different things. Mm-hmm. And every time I would get a new opportunity, I would say yes. And um, you know, one of the big turning points in my life was going on Dragon's Den. Mm-hmm. And I was actually on that show five different times, three pitches and two update shows. And there were so many things that happened as a result of being on that show that you think, if I don't say yes... Mm-hmm. the opportunity might never come around again. And so as a consequence, I said yes to everything. And I spread myself way too thin. Mm-hmm. And um, and I suffered the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. It was it was really hard for me to deal with a lot of the the um, decision making and planning. And I, I didn't do anything as well as I could have if I would have focused. But that being said, I would 
absolutely love to do a collaboration yeah. uh, mustard-based barbecue sauce with uh, whoever eventually puts up their mm -hmm. hand and says they want to do it with yep. me. And, and uh, to see these these other artisanal flavors mm -hmm. that we could do together uh, is absolutely something that I could see myself doing. Yep. Plus, you know, eventually maybe we're, we're going to offer our smoked meat at retail. Maybe we'll nice. offer our beef bacon at retail. Maybe there'll be other products that you'll see from us. But nice. for the time being, I'm having so much fun with mustard. Yep. And, and the other thing is, too, Canada produces 85% yes. of the world's mustard seeds. Yeah, lots of it here in Alberta. Yeah. Alberta and Saskatchewan, that's yep. right. Yep. And to me, you know, I, I, I love telling that story, especially mm -hmm. to people who aren't aware of it, because mustard is Canada's gift to the world. Mm -hmm. And to be helping to tell that, that very Canadian story is a, is a, a real honor, too. That's, uh, I think, as Canadians, something we don't do enough of. Is you know, that's, you're, you remember a few years ago when Heinz Ketchup mm -hmm. um, yep. <laughs> bailed out of a factory in Leamington, Ontario, and yep. French's came in? With, that yeah. was one of the very first times, you're exactly right, Ryan, it's one mm -hmm. of the very first times that Canadians have ever gotten patriotic around food. Mm -hmm. uh, that We switched in the deli from Heinz Ketchup to French's Ketchup. And we tasted it with people and we said, we're going to try these two with you. And they said, I don't care how it tastes. I want the French's because they like the fact that, that they were sticking up for mm -hmm. Canadian jobs and yep. for Canadian people. And I think that that's an amazing thing mm -hmm. for us to be able to do as well, which is why we have the maple leaf proudly right on the center of every jar. Wonderful. And that's a huge part of our of our story is is that mustard is Canada's condiment. Mm -hmm. You're welcome, world. And uh, and being a Canadian mustard producer means that we can we can proudly wave the flag every time we we uh, smear a little mustard. Love it, love it. Uh, just real quick on the manufacturing, where are, are you doing that in in Tofino? There, where's the? Uh... No, we have our plant in Don Mills, Ontario, okay. yeah. and. Uh, uh, the one of the challenges of being on the the far west coast of the west coast of Canada mm -hmm. is you have to truck everything out here, yes, and yep. the idea of setting up a federally inspected mustard facility, mm -hmm. bringing all of the equipment and merchandise and and uh, glass jars and yeah. supplies the, uh, out a nightmare here yeah. would have been a, a nightmare. And yep. the other thing is too that that's not my expertise. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea of being a um, uh, a mustard uh, maven mm -hmm. is that the the actual uh, the manufacturing side isn't what I do best, mm -hmm. and uh, so partnering with somebody who is a really great and consistent ma mustard manufacturer is what we did, yep. and uh, it really helps us to be able to create a, a win win situation between ourselves. And our customers and distribution from there, everything would just be much uh, cost effective, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I've taken up uh, we're an hour in here. I won't uh, won't keep much more take much more of your time. I've got, I've got a dog that needs to get out. Uh, um, <laughs> I really appreciate you having me on the oh, show. Oh, this is it awesome. Really means a lot to uh, me. I mentioned the website kaplanskis.com at kaplansky on Instagram. Anywhere else, folks can look for you. Uh. You know, these days, I mean, I do have a few exciting things coming up. Mm -hmm. I can't really 
uh, announce them at this stage besides the impending birth of my first yes. child, which is something that that uh, is the focus of my life right now. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I, I really would love to see us having um, more and better representation, especially in Alberta. Yep. And it's such a wonderful, meat-loving part of the country. Yes. And uh, I would really love to see more of our of our retail partners and of our restaurants. Uh, but all in good time, I'm mm-hmm. sure. You know, being on this show is great for us for mm-hmm. being able to spread the word. Yeah, I did and, send you uh, one. Uh, I sent you one name. I'll uh, I'll get some others for you. And, uh, I really yeah. appreciate that. No, absolutely. We gotta get that. Uh, get and that that, that stuff matters. You yeah. know, when people yeah. go into stores and they say, "Do you have any Kaplansky's mustard?" Mm-hmm. Really good retailers. That is stuff that they listen to. Yeah. And if you if they hear it enough times, mm-hmm. they'll Google it. They'll and find that's you. Why yeah. we get messages? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I saw on the website some videos. Uh, Willow was in the videos. Uh, just on the in, on the website, are you doing any YouTube stuff there? Or? You know, they those there is some uh, some of those videos are on YouTube. We we've actually shared a lot of our secrets. How mm-hmm. you how we cure smoked meat. How we do uh, a lot of our recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I do like the the uh, video connection that we have with people and being able to show and tell stuff to people. Um, I do have a I have a new show that we're working on, but like I said, it's not something I can actually announce quite yet. But uh, I'm I'm sure that that uh, it's not the last anybody's seen of Zinka plants. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> Uh, last question I ask everybody, Zane. It's uh, it's dinner time. You may you got the grill or smoke or something fired up. What's uh, what's the go to meal for you? Well, I'm a I, I love a uh, a rib steak. Yeah. That to me is the is the uh, the king of of all the uh, beef mm-hmm. and uh, high temperature. I've got a a broil king uh, pellet grill. Nice. And I love the fact that I can crank that thing up over 700 degrees. Do the sear on it. Get a yeah. really nice sear on the steak, and and uh, whether it's just a simple salt and pepper, or if I use uh, somebody's uh, seasoning, you know, it's I just love the taste of beef yeah. uh, on its own, and and a really nicely marbled steak uh, to me just can't beat that. That is uh, without a doubt the most popular answer <laughs> <laughs> to that to that question <laughs> zane really, uh, i mean yeah hard to, hard to hard to beat a a great steak it is and that steak in particular you know yeah. especially a beautifully marbled one where the the fat the juices just mm-hmm. melt in your mouth and ah. yep love it zane thanks so much for doing this really appreciate the time uh congratulations and best of luck with the uh, the new arrival coming up here uh Thank you so much. Uh, as really a as a, a dad of a 15 and 18 year old, everything's about to change for you. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I, Ryan, you know, I, I know I'm not the oldest dad in the world, but I kind of feel that way. Yeah. So and, I, uh, yeah. I mean, imagine starting over now. Yeah. Right? No. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're a brave, braver man than I am. So. <laughs> I'm 53 and I'm just getting going. Hey, good on you, man. Good on you, Zane. Uh, thanks so much. Really appreciate your time. Have a, a wonderful day and. Uh, well, uh, folks, look out for uh, Kaplansky's mustard and mustard. Sorry, and ask uh, if your retailer doesn't have it. Ask for it. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Have a great day, Zane. Thanks. Thank you.
You are listening to Canada's longest-running barbecue podcast, and it is time now for some barbecue news. Brought to you by The Barrel Boss Q, a family-owned and operated small business in Leduc County, Alberta, and the manufacturer of the original Canadian charcoal drum smoker. Whether it's in the backyard or on the competition circuit, Kelly Troy and the Barrel Boss Q team are driven by the desire to watch their clients showcase their cooking talents, to slow down a bit and spend some quality time with family and friends. From entry level all the way up to fully loaded models, Barrel Boss Q has the charcoal drum smokers and accessories you need to be the barbecue boss of your block and maybe get a walk at that next competition. Shipping to customers across Canada and the U.S., Barrel Boss Q spends time talking to their clients to make sure each and every smoker they make is special and meets the needs of the customer. Barrel Boss Q is honored to be a part of their customers' barbecue journeys. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram and visit them online at barrelbossq.ca to see the whole lineup. And tell them you heard about them on the Eat More Barbecue podcast. Speaking of our friends at Barrel Boss Q, they are working with the Raleigh View Community Association in their hometown of Leduc, Alberta, to put on another Pitmasters dinner coming up June 11th, 2022. The featured cook at this year's event is Corey Richard, or Corey Richard, a.k.a. Beer Daddy BBQ from New Brunswick. Check out the Barrel Boss Q Facebook page for their posts about the event and, and to get information for tickets. We have ours, and I'm looking forward to it. Should be a wonderful time, some dinner, some dancing, good times. Presumably in an effort to make some inroads into the Texas competition barbecue scene, KCBS has announced the new Johnny Trigg Shootout, a series of 5 to 10 sanctioned events taking place in the Barbecue Hall of Famer's home state. Wonder what's going on there. Uh, Texas is very crowded, I would say, and as far as competition, uh, IBCA and the uh, CBA, both with uh, strong footholds in the in the state, and uh, now KCBS trying to get in there a little more. It'd be interesting to see how this goes. Certainly, the the Johnny Trigg name, a big name in uh, Texas barbecue and KCBS, so. Should be interesting. Uh, You can check out the KCBS events page for dates, locations, and more info on the series. We do have some competition competition news here in Canada as well, with info being released on a couple of events. One province over in British Columbia. First up in Langley, British Columbia on May 13th to 15th, it is great to see the return of the Canada Festival of Chili and Barbecue back this year. This is a PNWBA-sanctioned event and also features golden tickets to the World Food Championships, a golden ticket to the SCA World Steak Championships in Texas, and more. Visit www.ccbbqs.com for entry info. Next up in Chilliwack, British Columbia, on July the 17th is a KCBS-sanctioned, it's the 6th annual Barn Burner Barbecue. You can check out www.barnburnerbbq.ca for details on that one. Also on the KCBS calendar for Canada, the new Small Town Smokedown in Bazano, Alberta is on the books for June 3rd to the 5th. Registration is open for the event via the Barbecue on the Bow website, www.bbqonthebow.com. I know our team is registered and I'm looking forward to getting out there our first competition of the year. 
The weekend before that in Edmonton is the Porkapalooza Barbecue Festival, May 28th and 29th. You can visit porkapalooza.ca for registration on that one. I'll get into some of the other Canadian events on the calendar next week, but i got to say it is just great to see these events and more on the go for this year. Barbecue is back, baby. You can find me online at www.eatmorebarbecue.ca and also at www.albertabbqtrail.ca where you can check out the listing of barbecue joints located here in Alberta and then you can get yourself out there and show them your support. If you're not in Alberta, please get out to your local barbecue joints and show them some love. Thanks to Alan Horbin for the great music on this and every episode of the Eat More Barbecue podcast. That's a wrap, everybody. See you all next week and keep on smoking. Mm-hmm.